when you've failed your way out of Atlanta and something less complicated like the Netherlands, it's not so MLS. Oh. Oh. A North American soccer podcast there. with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello. Nick, it's Welcome so good. Welcome back, everyone. It's, it's been a while. It's so good to be uh, talking soccer with you again. How are you? I am doing okay. It has been a time. Also, just to our listeners, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of places. Oh my goodness. Let us take a breath and be here with each other and talk about something joyous. Yes. Uh, life has been our international break. Um, yeah, truly. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, but it's been, um, and there's been, of course, uh, so much soccer to watch in, in multiple different leagues, uh, and, in tournaments around the world. I yeah. A couple have, of, a couple of small tournaments happening internationally. I definitely have watched, uh, uh, the Euro and, and saw, um, uh, former Atlanta United manager Frank DeBoer uh, tarnish his reputation further. Oops. I'm not trying to just oops, oops, oops. to just uh, to just pick on him, but it is always funny to see. You know, it's I've always said I, I, the, from from some of my experiences watching the Copa America, it kind of feels like watching the Copa America is more as a as a big MLS fan it's like i'm more familiar with some of those players you know what i mean like it feels like oh absolutely i mean it's well documented that i very much had a falling out with european soccer but like i i just have no idea who <laughs> most of the players are to the point i'm like i'm texting our friend travis being like oh who's this guy <laughs> he's pretty good and he's like y- yes yes there there are some good players in europe and i'm like hmm get out of town not all of their youth are from mls crazy but the funny part is so it's like so i've always thought that it's like you know i almost have more i more enjoy or, or i really enjoy that aspect of feeling like it's part of the same soccer mm-hmm. world when i'm watching copa america um but then you watch you're getting used to this idea of of, of the separate worlds feeling of it and then you're watching a poland game and robert Lewandowski is going on uh uh one twos <laughs> with uh frankowski from chicago fire <laughs> and it's like hey yeah. wait hey wait hey wait noted chicago fire goalkeeper is not <laughs> a phrase often maybe said in european soccer but or no the 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 striker and then it's like striker sorry and then it's like lapalainen is with 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 uh um Finland, and oh, it's with like, them. hey, I, yeah. hey, I know you. I know these guys. Uh-huh. Terrific. I will say, one of the only games that I watched almost the entirety of was England versus Germany, so you're welcome, England fans. Because <laughs> if I change up my routine, things seem to happen, so. <laughs> you brought a lot of, a little bit of the, um, the Nick Thornton magic dust onto that, uh, onto that encounter. Exactly. Usually I have to not watch a game in order for there to be a result I like. Um, but this time the fates were in. I almost turned it off because I was like, oh, man, if I tell people that I watch this game and England loses, then. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, very exciting. Lots of things going on. We have a, a, quite a bit of catch up to do. Yes. So we are going to do a slightly different format for folks. Not that anyone at home is really like 
following too closely along with our format, but we're going to do some news, and then we're going to look at the table in MLS, because of course there was 80 million games since we last did a show, and then we're going to talk about our beloved Vancouver Whitecaps in some detail. Yeah, um, so there's been a couple of things happen. Uh, the, the the I think yesterday's big deal was the as we record was that the Gold Cup um, squads came up for uh, Canada, and I think the U.S. have one too. Or yeah, everybody yeah. everybody had their squads at the same time. Um, but I'm more I, I'm more familiar with the Canada one. Um, the uh, the big news, I guess, is that Toronto's Io Akinola has uh, pro- processed the one time switch to represent Canada. Terrific. Um, so that is a neat. Uh, there's there's some help I will gladly accept. That's a neat little uh, development. You've got uh, Maxine Crepeau and Dane Saint Clair as the main uh, goalkeepers for the squad hitting into that tournament. Um, Alfonso mm-hmm. Davies is in the squad. Um, if you were wondering, like, are we going to are we going to bring sort of like the A group? It seems that many of the the, the top individuals are. Very excited to see uh, Tyler Pasher, who has been doing well in Houston, mm-hmm. um, yeah. get some time in there. And, and uh, the it seems like that's those are sort of the individuals. Harry Patton from Ross County in Scotland. Shout out to my pal Will, who's a big Ross County fan. I I, I didn't I didn't expect that these uh, those two things would um, would would those two lines would cross. Um, but that seems it seems like a pretty decent um, balanced roster trying to get Canada some more. I mean, like the biggest thing is always that that is that you want to get Canada some some more time to bond and gel together ahead of World Cup qualifying. Because since we have last talk, Canada also yeah. uh, advanced for, to the final stage of World Cup qualifying for the first time. Um, since like I think what it was, it was like ninety nine, seventeen forty two. I believe. <laughs> um, they uh, they made it through those group stages. They uh, they beat Haiti. Um, Haiti had an all time goalkeeper oh. howler. I, yeah. Tell me what you really feel. Tell me, I, I I'm I'm detecting I'm detecting a take here. It's it's not a take on. It's really just a like. It hurts me in the deepest part of my heart to see that kind of uh, own goal. And I have, as a goalkeeper, scored an own goal almost identical to it. Yeah, so, you were saying that. Uh, you know, and like, there were slightly fewer people at that game to, to witness it, but it, there were still uh, about 20, 22 too many. To <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I, I, it just, it makes me cringe thinking about mine, thinking about his, uh, just terrible. It happens. It happens. The Nations League final was wild. Did you get a chance to see that? I did not. What happened? This was USA, Mexico, um, in the, in the final. And, and from the, here's a, a post from, uh, Matt Musenberg, uh, who says this game has everything. Just some things that happened after the 80th minute of USA-Mexico. USA tied the game in the 82nd minute. There was a fight. The game was paused during stoppage time due to a homophobic chant. A fan ran, ran onto the CBS set on live TV. VAR gave the USA a penalty shot in extra time. Mexico's coach got a red card. Yes, uh, Tata Martino got a red card for touching the ref during the review. Pulisic gave the USA the lead on the ensuing penalty shot in extra time. A USA bench player was injured during the celebration by a flying bottle. 
VAR oh. gave Mexico a penalty shot in stoppage time of extra time. USA's backup goalie stopped it. And there was a pick, a pitch evader. Who's USA's backup goalkeeper? That was Horvath. Oh, okay. Yep. 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 Um, just a just just a outrageous like for being I'm starting to feel like I should have watched this game. I do recall like when it happened, there was a, a number of good storylines, but I, I just there a lot of stuff going on, and I didn't catch up with it. But wow, for being for being um, that sounds like an MLS game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for being some kind of like I, maybe it's un, un, unfair to say this, but a little bit tin pot in terms of like, well, what is what is this even? What is this competition? What's the point of it? What does it mean? Um, when you <laughs> the end of that all, who's who's really the winner here? <laughs> you you certainly had a, a an extremely memorable final, um, doubtless on June sixth between the, the U.S. and Mexico. So that was that was a good time. Um, the some other uh, other odds and ends in our in our little. Uh, Neck of the Woods. Olivia Moultrie, who we discussed earlier, was uh, suing the MWSL um, so That's to right. drop the age rule because she's 15. Mm-hmm. And uh, unlike MLS, NWSL was uh, not, allow- not allowing, um, I think, anyone under 18 to play. Uh, she has got her injunction and she's signed with Portland. So she's... Uh, She's... I'm so glad there was a, a positive resolution to that. I was honestly kind of surprised. I didn't think it was going to have that outcome, but they could, good for her. Good for the Thorns. Good for us. It's a preliminary injunction, uh, but it's uh, it's the so they're still going to be talking about it. But um, she'll be you know getting games for the club that was developing her, and I think that that's a good a good thing. She'll be on the same roster as uh, Christine Sinclair, who is like what? yeah. Uh, the the age the age gap between just like uh oh yeah twenty one years yeah Christy Sinclair is thirty eight so it's like you know you have a twenty two years twenty three years <laughs> but there are there are always wow there are always teenagers in the in the Canadian team and stuff it's just you know that inter, yeah, that international the the intergenerate uh, the intergenerational exchange is great for having players like um Sinclair around and 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 the Canadian women's national team will have that same, you know, hope as well uh, during the Olympics. They announced their roster. Um, Sinclair will be a part of it. Um, I'm a little sad that Sophie Schmidt didn't make the main uh, roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's an uh, reserve. Jordan Heidemann is a reserve, um, which was also a little bit surprising. But they only can yeah. with an 18 person squad. You can only carry so many forwards. And you can only you can only carry so many players, and and so Schmidt will will hopefully pro, um, provide some of that intergenerational um, learning while traveling with the group. Mm. Yeah, uh, presuming that everybody gets to Japan and the Olympics happen, which is <laughs> always which we will still see. Wow, over a month ago we were like. Mm, that may not happen. Here we are a month later being like, mm, it still may not happen. Caden Clark has been sold to RB Leipzig, who has uh, uh, loaned him back to the New York Red Bulls for the rest of the season. Hooray! Just some, just, just some, um, just some network club stuff, I guess. Um, MLS is looking to form a development league in 2022, uh, which they're not going to make all of their 
MLS two sides pull out, but it is it is MLS sort of you know completing the development pathway between their their new youth league MLS Next and MLS. It's just like USL was right there. Yeah, that that I mean I know that there is a story there, and I'm sure politics as well. But that that was where I didn't quite understand like how does that fit in like where in the pyramid is this is there is there a pyramid i feel like it's more a connect the dots well in some ways it's like mls almost trying to step out of the pyramid yeah it's kind of like a connect four but with (laughs) what were you gonna say that was it um MLS is investigating a racist comment um, that was allegedly said to Diego Chara uh, during the Portland-Minnesota match. There was a very impassioned um, sort of plea from Diego Savarese at the, or Giovanni Savarese at the end of that game that just, you know, about backing the player and thinking, wow, it's just awful that this stuff is, that this is happening. So, so I hope that that, um, yeah. that investigation um, comes up with some results. Um, Mm -hmm. Chicago Fire have (laughs) re-rebranded with a, with a circular badge that has sort of like, it's the old, old badge had sort of navy blue. This one has more of a light blue that you will, you will recognize if you've ever seen the Chicago flag. And I think that that it's, there are some people that are still thinking it's not as good as the original fire badge that got changed in the first place, but at least I think this one is more back in the right direction. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, ev- anything is an improvement at this point, but it, it, it's just, it's so, it's just so ridiculous. There was, but, there was this great point you know? um, made by Grant Wall um, today about, there was a, a feature in The Athletic, um, Pablo Moir has once again uh gone to the to the well to 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 find some some uh secret some 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 important piece of mls ephemera he identified one of the guys from the original columbus crew crest like it had three guys and he's like who are the guys i want to find out who the guys were and 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 that was what happened. Like he, he he was able to find one of the the models from the original shoot. But what is interesting about the story of going through it, as, as Grant Wall has noted, is that it is a sort of like an antithesis to how branding. It, it talks about how that branding process worked initially, and how it's kind of the antithesis mm. of like trying to find something American, you know, to 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 latch onto as opposed to like like trying to do something that is like trendy. Yeah. And it, yeah, you interview the guy, uh, like a, a, an Adidas designer who is or, or sort of like a, like a well-known sports designer who designed the, re, the redesigned Adidas logo or whatever is the same guy that did the crew logo. And he has the, uh, the, the original crew logo and he has this, you know, very, very, uh, grandpa Simpson moment of being like, it's very what's trendy, but I suspect that what's trendy isn't for me anymore. <laughs> Too many changes, but I mean, I think I'm with him actually. <laughs> like, uh. it's just it's just the 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 aspect of people continuously trying to like throw out their branding and re and in you know 
as as they as it says in the in the story, you know, run from their run from their history as opposed to trying to utilize it in a way that 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 makes them unique is a it's this is this is part of the, I guess the exercise of going back and 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 investigating all of this kind of um you know early MLS ephemera because it's just like this is this is part of the story of how soccer this soccer league came to be and and it's just, mm-hmm. it's always interesting to me to um to find out a little more of it and the Columbus Absolutely. the Columbus Shield is uh, has been good there was also some somewhere in the middle of this a a, a redesigned New England Revolution thing was leaked, and I don't think that's happened right away. But everybody, people are suitably um, scandalized by it, so we'll see what continues with that. Suit- suitably scandalized is such the perfect phrase to sum up the like any leaked new logo in MLS. I feel like maybe once or twice people have been like, "Oh, okay, that's we can live with that." But I'm not. I'm not anti rebrands or re- you know redesigning logos either it's just that so often they're terrible <laughs> like, even, even just aesthetically they're they're just dumb looking um and it, it's clearly just an ego trip of ownership to to think that they're putting their own like stamp on it which they of course is not a metaphor but just a literal like we should change the logo <laughs> um a uh while attempting to pay mls a compliment Gonzalo Higuain said, "I thought this league, I thought this has actually been a lot harder than I. Uh, this is this has uh, been a lot harder than I thought. You know, I thought I could come to MLS and play with a cigarette in my mouth." Okay, do you think that comment is taken? Like, do you think he's being cheeky there, or do you think that's what he actually believes? Well, I mean, I, I, the one thing that I, of course, have to say about it is that I don't, I never. Um, heard him actually say it so like i haven't i haven't heard him say the word so it's a, it's in and in the the broader part of the interview but um but i mean like i'm sure he's being like a, it gets a little bit of a turn of phrase as people have noted uh i saw on twitter this is wildly disrespectful of his brother federico who is 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 uh has applied his trade here for some time. Can you imagine if your brother got a job, like got a job in your workplace, and was like, "Yeah, man, this is so fucking easy." <laughs> oh man, yeah, the standard the sure. standard is so low, right, Frederico? It's just like, yeah, like did he just not talk to his brother <laughs> for the last twelve years? I feel like I actually read somewhere they did have a falling out for some time, but maybe that. They don't seem anyway. like they don't seem the, the tightest in the world. Uh, do I have anything else here? Oh, uh, now this has been it's been a while since this happened, but uh, but Miami got the hit with the biggest league, fine in league history over the over essentially um, improperly categorizing Blaze Matuidi as a as a as a DP and probably also Andre Reyes. Yeah, so they got hit with it's... with two million dollars fine. Sorry. No, go ahead. Two million dollars fine. Uh, Jorge Maz also got a fine. Uh, Paul McDonough, who was the sporting director, got suspended for a year, um, and they were they have been docked two million dollars in allocation money for each of the next two years. 
do you think that this is fair an overreaction an under underreaction i mean i know that you're not a, a big fan of like <laughs> diving into extraneous punishments but do you feel like this addresses the issue or how, how do you process this i don't think not it's it, it's one of the things that i think that everybody is probably a lot more laid back on it because inter miami mm-hmm. had a pretty disappointing they did all this cheating and had a pretty disappointing <laughs> it, finish it certainly does send a good message to the kids look cheating doesn't pay okay like literally if you cheat you just you won't necessarily be better <laughs> See, this is the thing that's like... Which is true in life. <laughs> Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Lightning in NHL is having this uh, this debate right now where they, they had a player on long-term injury miss the regular season and come back in uh, the playoffs. So in, not so. They say it's just that's just the timeline that it happened, but it also just so happens that it meant they were able to sign two extra players and that the, new, the injured guy didn't count to the penalty cap or to the salary mm-hmm. cap. And now they're right, in the right. fi- now they're in the finals. So would that have been a different situation if Miami won MLS Cup, and then it turns out, oh, actually, you had five DPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that would have been a different discussion. And I think that if it were me, I might have maybe looked into taking a DP slot slot away because we know that those can can be taken away. Um, yeah, I think that this. The we correct me if I'm wrong. You know this this league's rules are constantly evolving. Tam mm. is no longer a thing, right? Tam and Gam are the are the same again, or are they? I feel like that's correct. I feel like it, wasn't that a change that happened like right before the pandemic that they decided we're just going to do the one? Is that right? Maybe somebody's screaming into their iPhone. <laughs> <right now. laughs> you idiots! Just look it up. Uh, I feel like that's true. I feel I I th- I thought that they were trying to streamline that as well, in an effort to make it simpler for teams to understand where they couldn't couldn't spend could and couldn't spend money. MLS but, has long yeah. had everybody always talks about these these roster rules and how challenging it is to adapt to these roster rules. And in Tam was just something that got so complex. And we've we talked before on the show about you know MLS denying certain players as tam players or whatever like who could and couldn't be qualified for tam was was all over the place and mm-hmm. um one of the the, the it, it teaches us a new thing about i guess these these complex roster rules is what if you just don't do them what if you just don't like you have to <laughs> if mm-hmm. I, I guess they found them they 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 did catch up to them eventually but that seemed to be the you know the 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 game here is if you if you if you fudge the if you fudge the thing and say well actually he's not a designated player but he's a two times gam tam machine like like it requires somebody else to be like to not just be like okay sounds good thanks like like it's almost a a a infra like well because of the fact that we're we're finding out about this after the fact and that we're trying to penalize this after the fact it is an infrastructure so large it can't manage itself. Right. I yeah i I hear what you're saying. I don't know that I agree. I mean, I I think that clearly there's an issue. However, when you look into what happened with Inter Miami, it feels like they were really 
pushing for something that should have set off a lot of red flags internally. And given that it was somebody that was working for Inter Miami that noted like notified MLS that they weren't in compliance. Uh, I mean, I take that to mean that there was honest mistakes made, but just like it, it just seems remarkably naive. But you also, given its new ownership and uh, a new franchise to MLS, you can also kind of see it happening. Um, but it does beg the question of exactly, like, are are these rules overly complex if teams can't understand them? Or maybe more importantly, too, it's about, like, what's the help for teams being compliant? Like, why is the check being done afterwards? That's a good point. Is is there not a way that you can be submitting some of these things to the MLS office and and they can be doing a check before you go and make the signing? However, you know, that obviously puts a lot of power in, in the league's hands and... I don't know. The overall... Personally, personally, it feels like, uh, you know, a pretty massive mistake, and I think the punishment is is fair. I think limiting the amount of money that you can spend in the future um, is as is almost the same as taking away a DP spot because it, it limits your overall salary that you can spend. Um, and by the way, it looks like TAM is still a thing, but I think they're discussing getting rid of it still. Ah, oh, that's what it must have been. Uh, one thing that Miami have not been reaching out. We we can when we get into the when we get into our our table discussion, they haven't been good. They haven't even been good this year. <laughs> uh, it could happen. Stranger things. Happen. I agree. I agree with you that 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 per, perhaps the allocation money is more of a of a challenge than you think. I don't necessarily want to come down and just be like. We have to have draconian punishments for no reason, but but these things totally. these things on one hand these things the idea that Matuidi would not be a DP is idiot. <laughs> like, that, that's the ultimately like I'm sitting here and I'm I'm trying to think about all the com- complex details and I'm like, come on, like let's just call it what it is. Like, <laughs> how do you how how in what world would that be possible? Yeah. And I think that you know, this is the team that had to ship one of their DPS to uh, a USL two side. Like it, it's just the biggest thing I think of is you know this has been the club that has been trying to attract some of the biggest names in Europe and sort of lure them away from retirement and into MLS's arms and playing for Inter Miami. But after this, I think that's going to be really really difficult. Uh, not just from a financial side to sign players, but who in their right mind now would take a risk coming to Inter Miami if they think they're going to end up playing for Fort Lauderdale? No offense, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Just I don't think that's in Messi's crosshairs for his twilight years. Or you know? Anton Griezmann, uh, yeah. who's, who said he wants to come at the end of his contract, which I also feel like maybe he also has that cigarette feeling. Um Totally. When you look I think at the, he's got that feeling right now. When you look at the table, do you want to do you want uh, to 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 sort of take stock of where we sit here after week ten? Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. Let's look at the table. So as we uh, as we sit here uh, in the Eastern Conference, New England are number one on uh, twenty three points. Orlando twenty one, Philadelphia 20, 19 in third, New York uh, in fourth to seventeen. Columbus in Nashville with 15 each and 5th and 6th. And uh, New York Red Bulls are in the 7th spot. So those are your playoff teams. 
Um, the DC, Montreal, Atlanta are all hanging around within uh, a couple of points, as is Cincinnati. And uh, Miami, Toronto, and Chicago are your, your teams that have uh, um, under 10 points sitting there at the bottom of the table. What surprises you in the East? Because I, I feel like given our, our conversations so far this season, there's a few that are, I, I would say there's a good number of clubs that we rated highly that are in those top seven. But what, what, do you, what surprises you about the, the Eastern Conference right now? Well, I think that especially from the beginning of the year, where the way things started at the beginning of the year, I didn't um, see DC in the middle of the pack. Um, I can't say where I expected Atlanta, but they continue to be in a challenging in a in, in a challenging position. Um, I will say that after doing all of my, you know, all of my catch up, um, I am a little surprised that New England is is in first, but they do have, you know. Um, such amazing roster and such an ability to um, to get results together. There are other teams in MLS that I would think of as being um, more complete teams and teams that have been a little bit more consistent. Um, a lot of them are mm-hmm. a lot of them are in the Western Conference. Like if you think of sort of un if you think of sort of like 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 Sterling Sterling Silver. Like teams that are on 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 top form in MLS right now, it would be like Seattle, Kansas City, LA, maybe Orlando. You wouldn't really say anybody in the in there. There's not few, many, that many people in the Eastern Conference that you would you would take week in week out. But New England have been able to get results in Atlanta. They um they have uh, they have won quite a few games despite the fact. I think that maybe it's just because some of them are, you know, um, some of them are these sort of one nothing results, like the one in uh, DC on on April twenty fourth. Mm-hmm. But more, but what? but but I guess in June there have been some more goal fests in June for uh, for New England. For sure. Well, and I think New England is kind of similar to Philadelphia in that, yeah, their games aren't always barn burners, and so they, they can kind of fly under the radar. But what you don't see is them racking up one nothing wins or grinding out a nervy draw in an away game. Mm-hmm. But over the course of even half a season, you start to see where that, that all really adds up um, and works in their favor, that they may not be playing their best football, but they can still, you know, if they've got a two-game week, they can still grab four points out of it which is much more consistent than a lot of mls clubs so that's good enough to to get you up there. in june they they racked up a, a pair of three two wins in new york uh against the both new york teams that new york city game was really fun yeah yeah absolutely um i do feel like new york city fc has, has certainly been you know while there's not been a ton of consistency i do still feel like overall they've been very strong um and given that there's just so much new talent there and and different players i mean i feel like every week when i look at their roster half the names i'm like wait who who are all these people but wait a minute you know, the, who this are bringing, you who are you guys bringing in um tiago andrade was obviously just a, a revelation he had a fan, just stunning I mean, a great goal, but it was more the the lead up play to it. Um, oh, I'm forgetting what game it was in. 
They sent away so um, many players. Well, it would be. I think it was the most recent one, right? The, the, yeah. the, 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 just a tremendous individual effort in that match uh, against. Um, oh, DC. Yeah, against DC. Sean Johnson with a great rollout to sort of uh, uh, to try and, and get the rush start start uh, rush started. He is able to to blow past a a, a defender, and then hit, bearing down on the goalkeeper, he flicks the ball behind his back with his right. Like he he kicks it with his right behind his left leg and then recovers it once he gets past the defender. It's just he does it all himself. It's outrageous. It it's it's very outrageous. Like if if you're like us and you're you're a little bit behind and you're doing catch up, just go to that game and watch watch the highlights. That's the one thing it does not disappoint. I definitely thought with that like um that, you know, with New York City, when we came out of the off season, it was kind of like, oh well, um, they they sent away so many players. Who are they going to have? And we, uh, who's who's going to, uh, who's going to replace all these players that have that have that have gone? Why are they Why are they sending out all these players? I don't know if some of these things were planned. If some of these these conversations were had. Uh, in the mid, in the middle, but they've got um, they've got Tiago, they've got Santiago Rodriguez, who is a Uruguay uh, youth international. Mm-hmm. They've got Talas Magno. They've they have they have been loading up, and they've been loading up on young players, which is not always been the the NYFC way, NYCFC way. No, and I, like I'm I'm into it. I'm way more engaged in New York City FC this year with this squad, even though, as I said, it, it maybe lacks some of the consistency of squads that they've had before. I, I feel like this is their best side that we've seen. Again, maybe it's not fully come to fruition yet, but I think they, they're they're taking the right approach. They've got a good mix of experience and youth. Um, we know they've got a great academy system as well, so it, it's it's exciting to see. I'm, if anything, I'm a little bit surprised that they're only fourth, but I, I don't think that's going to stay that way. Yeah. Um, what for you? Uh, so we talked a little bit a bit about what teams have uh, surprised us. Oh, would you want to talk about the West? We talked about the East. Let's 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 talk about some surprises yeah, in, the, in the in the West. Let's take a look at the West. Well, I'd say. Right off the top, Andrew, I don't think uh, it's any surprise Seattle is <laughs> the league quite comfortably. Uh, the only surprise about Seattle is they somehow didn't beat the Vancouver Whitecaps in their most recent game, um, stunning nobody more than Vancouver Whitecaps fans. That's a result that makes you say uh, the name of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. Um, I, I, I would say... Maybe not a, a a surprise, but I continue to just really admire um, what Peter Vermees is doing at Sporting Kansas City. They they've been really really consistent. Yeah, um, I be- believe they've got the most goals in MLS now with twenty two. You know, certainly they're coughing up a lot more goals than Peter Vermees would be happy with. But um, to be sitting second only to Seattle, they have lost a couple of games, but uh, you know, I think. It, it's just, it's nice to see that Sporting Kansas City, I think, have done so many things right, but they've been plagued by injuries in the last couple of seasons, and things haven't quite fallen into place for them. I really would love to see 
this kind of be their year to really push for a top spot in the West and not just be a team brimming with potential. Um, so I, I, it's not really a surprise, but just uh, a team that is of note right now for me is, is Sporting Kansas City and and that I think thing, the gears are starting to really turn for them and it, it's not surprising to me that they're second in the West. Some really great recent results that uh, that win against LAFC was tremendous. Um, with yeah, the, that, and that game's a perfect example of when they're all the different pieces are working together. Um, that was really good. I liked the the win against, the win against Colorado. Yep, they did great with that. that. Colorado also Colorado also not doing too badly. They're sitting in fourth in the table right now. Um, still struggling sometimes to score goals, but you, you got to say, I mean, the defensive problems at Colorado are certainly. You know, there's issues here and there, but it it really does. I mean, it is a completely different team from a Rapids that we've seen in the past. Yeah, um, I think that one of the big surprises for me. I mean, I think not to not to 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 want to necessarily just frame it as a disappointment, but but what's going on with LAFC? They've had some really they've had the, they've had a rough go of it. Yeah. Um, in in terms of of they're they're still I think playing the football that they want to see, um, but they just haven't been able to yeah. make that to turn that into results. No, and you're right. Yeah, they don't look lost on the pitch. Like they still look like LAFC at a lot of times. But I mean, certainly the from the defensive side of things, it it's still just you know they the. the the high press and the the quick attacking style that they play has become a little less fluid, and you really do need your top top players as a part of that to pull it off, the, and that takes the pressure off the defense. But I I think it is also a part of just other teams figuring out that system of play, right? Like, and that's not a knock against Bob Bradley, but just that as teams get used to you and and play you <laughs> and, and get used to losing to you. They figure out solutions to it. They know how you're going to play, and they know how to exploit your weaknesses. And as we said last season, one of the few teams that could do it was the Vancouver Whitecaps. <laughs> um, and that knowing that if you can bunker down through some key periods of play, you pick your times, and, and you can definitely break against LAFC. And, and their defense still struggles to get organized when they're they're caught on a counterattack. I'd say similar to a number of teams as well. Just their... Um, they're defending on set pieces as well. Really, really need some work. That that feels like just a kind of an open wound for them, um, and a place you can hit them. In the match against Dallas, you know, Vela scores, and he looks, you know, energized by doing it, especially in the fourth minute. Um, but when you compare that to when you compare how Vela is and how the top players are fitting in right now in LA to for example, how Nani is fitting in at um, Orlando. Yeah. Like, he's scoring a lot, and he's also integrated with all the other players around him a lot. Yeah. And and it feels like, you know, when you look at... Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember which one it was, but the Chris Mueller goal um, for Orlando, it's like that was a... Um, that was a, a, a Mueller goal, but it was also a Nani goal. And yeah. you used to get that more 
with L.A. because they had, you know, obviously so many um, attacking pieces and they really did feel integrated in that way. And it has not felt that as much recently. I think that's pretty fair to say. Yeah. I, and it's not a like total lack of on-field leadership, but I do feel like there is a bit of a gap there that I, I just struggle to see in those key moments in, in LAFC games, like who on the pitch is grabbing the reins and organizing people because it, it seems a bit frantic at times you know for LAFC um it's not that they're playing terribly it's it's just that they they get stretched and and their defenders just seem to get caught a little bit, bit flat-footed at times and again the defending set pieces seems to be a problem and it's just again who's organizing on those things um who's shouting the instructions so people know where they need to be and 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 energizing the team as well um and and you, that helps if you've got that on the sidelines but you also need players on the pitch who can pick your team up during key moments and it just sort of feels like especially when they go behind that's kind of it for them yeah um do you have a dark horse this year looking at either conference or both conferences team that you uh you think people are sleeping on well, um, I think if I look at if I look at both of these, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna make you happy here, uh, Uh-oh. and say that I think that Colorado could make it to the conference final or further. Given performances in the West, I I think I agree with you. <laughs> Everything in my body is telling me no. But... <laughs> But logically, but logically, you're right. I, I think that that's possible. Like, I'm not saying that they will. Like, the the I I think that the West is, the West is I think the better conference this year and has and and is has teams that are on more form. Like Orlando is still a potential. Orlando and Philadelphia are still potentially like um very top team, very top teams in 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 a, in a position where they really could do something. But they also are beatable on any given day, and I guess you know Kansas City beat Colorado three nothing, three one in their last match. But but Colorado is going out there and getting results. They're scoring great goals. Um, Keegan Roseberry is looking great. Um, everything seems to be working well in a in sort of like a systems way. And if they can, you know, keep good form together, that's not necessarily a that's not necessarily a side we think of as one that that you know this is almost a similar conversation as to when Orlando made it to the top of MLS's back where it's like mm-hmm. like that's not a team we think of as a contending team um but i think that this is a team right now the way it's set up that can definitely give uh give any team trouble for sure yeah i i think so too i mean they've got a good defensive record it's not great but you know they've allowed one more goal than Philadelphia Union, but it's as we've seen with a couple of clubs, it's just the goal scoring side of things that has been lacking. Um, however, we certainly know that like grinding out one nothing victories and and even grinding out draws without that many goals, that'll get you across the line. Like if you if you keep doing that enough times, so long as you're not losing too many games, and Colorado's only lost three. Um, I, I think that that's pretty respectable. I think if they can find a way to get those goals coming, and I would imagine because it's Colorado, that might be more a goals by committee than 
a striker signing. But if they can if they can unlock that, um, I, I think that they can they could go pretty far too. Uh, who's who's your dark horse? Um, I think RSL continues to they're very up and down. Mm. Um, but I w- I would say similarly to Colorado, they've got the defending piece a little bit. I mean, much more sorted out than they have in the past. Um. And and again, just if they they find a few more goals, they get a little bit more service to their strikers. I, I think RSL, you know, they're sitting in eighth right now, just below Portland. They've got uh, they're thirteen points. They're tied with Portland. It feels like RSL has a, more positives for them than LAFC, San Jose, Dallas, Austin, and Vancouver. All the teams below them. So I, I feel like if we're looking at the bottom of the table in the West, that sort of pack. RSL is at the forefront of that, and I, I feel like that's for a good reason, and they, they'll probably continue that way. Um, and I would say in, in the East Montreal, like, it's it's up and down, and they have good games, and they have not so good games. Um, they have only won three, but when they're doing well, you start to see the system really work. And I I think that if they can nail down some more of that consistency, maybe reinforce the squad with uh, a couple more signings, you know, Montreal can be can be in that top seven. And I feel like a lot of people are, are really not paying them too much attention. And I, I think that that's a mistake. One team um, that I just want to talk about, it's not a dark horse in any way, but it, but almost just, just before we, we get off the topic of, of the table, I want to discuss how challenging things have been going for them. It has not looked great for Toronto at all. Oh yeah. They sit they like for for all of the the you know and we're, we'll get to the Vancouver Whitecaps and the the <laughs> the the challenges of recent weeks and, and sort of the the challenges of feeling, you know, um invested in some of these games. Um but Toronto has in these, in this, Toronto's worse off than the Whitecaps. Toronto has five points. Whitecaps have eight. They have, um, they have had is is, they have had a number of of recent results here. Um, I want to say, so they had two matches there. Where was the goal? Where are the goals here? Um. The last game they played was against Cincinnati, and Cincinnati skunked them two nothing. Right, but then between that, I was looking at Columbus versus Toronto um, on the May twenty ninth, where they also lost. Um, to take a look at to to see if there is a uh, to see if there's anything there uh, was with my with my thesis that there was these two games where they were in great positions and then gave up just awful looking. Um, goals for the loss in added time. Yeah, they, and I mean, like that's maybe the difference in a situation and it's in a, a team that like the Caps that's also down in the 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 standings, but you know struggles to score goals when you have um you have the you have TFC go up on the twenty sixth minute through Osorio, you have Nashville even it up. You have TFC go ahead again with uh, Noble Okello. You have 
Nashville evened it up in the 83 the the noble goal is in the 81st minute. So this is all happening after the 81st minute. We enter the 80 the 80th minute tied. TFC score to make it 2-1. Hackinson scores to make it 2-2 on the 83rd minute. Ando uh yeah, so that's 2-2 and then he scores again in 90 plus 2. Even the 83rd minute goal would be a little bit, you know, disappointing. Um but to have that happen, you know, the week after you had that result with Orlando, yeah, um, where you had uh, where you had Nani score in the 84th minute to make it three-two in a game where it's where you went down in the Orlando game two goals in the first ten minutes, and then came back to uh, came back to equalize, but could hold it until that very uh that very end of the game the it things are not firing for them right now no well in their most recent game against cincinnati you know it it just two unanswered goals against one of the worst teams in the east and since cincinnati (laughs) has been doing a little bit better and finding some solutions to some of their problems but that felt like a a point at least for Toronto, but to come, as you say, great goal, great goals, but like to come off of those two disappointing losses of just giving it up and then to just completely capitulate. I mean, I watched part of this game and it's just, it's sad. It it just, it's completely aimless. And this is a near identical TFC squad to last season. Um, I, I mean, whatever is going on with Altidore, that's clearly affecting something, but these problems have (laughs) been here um, but even before he got frozen out, but I, I think it's safe to say Chris Armis has just lost the room. Uh, it, it, I don't see anybody on that pitch playing with belief or confidence, and, and that that has to come back t- to your head coach. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the other? Um, you had one more more hopeful thing on the notes here before we talk about the Vicar Roy caps player. You've been most impressed by? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We talked about the uh, Tiago goal for New York City FC, so I'm going to go with a player that yeah. I've been really impressed by is Ricardo Pepe from um, from Dallas. Just tremendous skill. It's just the the, the cleverness and the um, the agility that he has and that he's bringing to his game. I think is, is such a a boon for Dallas. Um, a, a very exciting player to watch. I'm sure he's on lots of radars for other clubs. Um, who's who's a player that you've been impressed um, by? I was going to say, um, and I wanted to say that that when we were talking about the Cincinnati thing, that that Luciano Acosta goal was a very pretty goal that he scored, and mm. and, and what is he doing? A, why the 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 challenge and what we what what why he's there. Um, I would say that a player that seems to really be benefiting from his new surroundings and 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 really fitting in well is Maxi Arruti. I felt that I feel that for he's had some good goals in the last month for Dynamo and and, and I think that he is a player I think you that mean was Houston FC. Oh jeez, the the player you know um, don't step in the rebrand was great was. Uh, was great in Dallas. I think was was pretty good in Montreal, but was never the focal point of what was going on there. And and, yeah. and with Montreal, it kind of felt like it was almost the onus was on him to report for himself. You know, like 
Yeah. Yep. Whereas you you really think you you see in Houston, it just it feels like an environment he's very comfortable in, and players he's very comfortable with. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree completely. It it kind of reminds me of when Kyoto came to Houston. I know he's not there anymore, um, and for a while was playing with Rudy, but. Um, just similar level of just coming in and just seems to fit right away. Like just like he's played there his whole life and really seems to be enjoying himself and, and connecting well with the other players. I think that's uh yeah, definitely been impressed by him as well. So, so we did, um, we did, um, we did just slander TFC. Sorry to TFC fans for that. I think that you, you don't, you don't, um, <laughs> Do you after think a certain TFC fans listen to the show. <laughs> after a certain in fact, you know, you've gone through a lot of punishment already. We don't want to make it worse. But we're going to try and and match it by by turning that same focus onto the yeah, Vancouver Whitecaps, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Don't worry, the other shoe is about to drop. Let's talk about the Vancouver Whitecaps, shall we? Lordy. Eight weird points. Um with with two wins Six losses, two draws. After uh, after a year where we had no no draws to speak of, there have uh, there have been a few. Ten goals for, um, which is actually you know you would think sometimes it's felt like this team this this team is uh, challenging to score, but that kind of feels like it's it's uh, it's not at the bottom of the of the West. And when you incorporate those Eastern teams in, there are there are a couple. There are one, two, three, four. Columbus somehow has only scored nine goals while winning, uh, while having f- 15 points, so good on them. I mean, well, it helps <laughs> if you can defend. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. There are um, there are but five two, teams but... with, 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 you know, fewer goals scored than that, so it's not necessarily the... It's, it's low, but it's not necessarily a, a league low. 16 goals it, allowed. It is better than TFC in Chicago, technically, sort of. <laughs> Let's start on a positive positive note, because one thing that happened in the, the little hiatus that we took here is the addition of a new player to the Vancouver Whitecaps. And no, it wasn't a DP number 10, but a, already seeming to prove to be a pretty fruitful signing um, and a player that you and I both like a lot. Brian White has come for over from New York Red Bulls to the Vancouver Whitecaps and has already oh, yeah. opened his account. Brian White has been great. It's a, it's been a great addition because I really feel that for whatever like the Whitecaps have spent so through through a number of of head coaches. This is no one no one um no one coach has has led to this, but but the Whitecaps are consistently trying to get the good deal, you know, to find a youngster that somebody's agent knows or whatever mm-hmm. that can uh, that can that can deliver above their price tag. And this seems like a different a different acquisition of just a proven MLS forward who can go in there and get minutes for you. You 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 thought that that's what they were doing with to St. Ricketts, but they also it doesn't really seem like they trust. Ricketts with minutes at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been difficult as well. I mean, uh, to St. Ricketts lost his father in the last month and it has seen limited playing time, I think had an injury issue as well. But I I agree. Like, it was clearly, like, to bring in some reinforcements. I, 
I mean, it's a great signing for the simple fact that, like, okay, now you've got depth in the same position as Cavallini and a player that can play with Cavallini because Brian White has played in a two-striker system before. Um, Which, but, God, please, please, God, just two strikers. It can be done! Yeah, well, and it, and it, you know, and it has been done for us. <laughs> not through, uh, not a 90 minutes necessarily, but uh, Brian White has already opened his account as a white cap, so that's great to see. Um, and, and a much, I just, I actually feel like he's got a bit of a, a better upside than Cava. Um, I'm not anti-Cavallini, but, um, you know, in terms of, of a first touch and, and being in the right spaces, I think Brian White is a little better in those areas. I think that the, you know, in terms of a finish, Cava's probably a little better, but, um, I think it brings different strengths, and that's where it excites me because I feel like Brian White can unlock a different part of Cavallini, and and the two together actually like is a decent striker partnership, which we've not had mm. in some time. So the the that ge- However... unfortunately <laughs> that RSL game where White scored that was the lone goal, and 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 it's been a little bit of it's been a challenging stretch for the Caps because that a game like that. Um, in addition to you know the challenge, it felt kind of limp. If I recall, um, I don't think the, the the Caps had a shot in the first half. If that uh, if that's that uh, right. if that's correct, uh, ten thirteen overall. Once in in that second half got better, but um, but RSL was able to um, score twice and at a time of what was a tied game. Um, which was really, yeah. uh, which was really frustrating for people. The the LA game was something. I think that there was an improvement. It's like it's like when you look at those four halves, it's like every half was better than the half mm-hmm. before it. Um, but it has felt. It still feels. Um, a, it, that second half against RSL, there was there were more attacks, right? And there were some there was there was attacks to be mm-hmm. done against LA, but sometimes it didn't. When you were focusing on that sort of shot amount, it's like there were there were attacks in the sense that you know the ball went towards the you know the players went towards the goal and and, and yeah. there a pass was made and a player may have made you know be in a position to do something, but there were no like, um, but there were but there weren't that many like. Like shots on, I feel like the the shots on target. Yeah, it's like the the shots on target. The shots was ten thirteen. The shots on target was six two for that game. It hit. Yeah, and and I feel like that stat kind of sums it up, right? Like it's not a total lack of ability to get forward, but in terms of generating legitimate goal scoring opportunities, it's two or three a game, and. <laughs> Apparently, that's not enough. You you have the ball. What happens um, next, right? Yeah, and it, and it and a, a perennial sticking point for the Vancouver Whitecaps is there. There seems to be a lack of ideas going forward, and um, maybe I will. I don't know, I'm trying to think of what question I want to start with, but okay. Well, maybe let's start from a technically another sort of strong point. Let's talk about the game versus. Can Seattle. we can we do the LA so, one just 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 coming, for the the sake of time progression? If you have any, if if you have sure. uh, like, so we we went from there. 
in this in this progression, I think that that was one where we've talked about this a lot this, about this before with the Caps that the um, the defensive aspect is like pretty is mm-hmm. pretty locked on and and this is we went to you know LA which is a team that's second in the East or second in the West and and was was pretty good in, in trying at trying to load things um load attacks on us and, and and was themselves only were limited to two shots on target so the setup was good but it felt like it, the 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 generation of chances were so challenging in that game until um Bikel scored in in stoppage time which was awesome which was really really good mm. the um, the sad part was then sitting there thinking you seeing the players think you know, we can take this thing and be like, yeah, go try to win that game. And then five minutes later being like, they're too, oh no, it's too open. They're too open. I sat there, I stood there in front of the television saying uh, to my girlfriend, Sam, it's too open. They're, they're, I'm worried that they're going to try and win this game. They're, they're going to open it up and they're going to get punted and they scored before I could finish the sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was disappointing, especially because Vancouver got that stoppage time goal, and, and and a lot of people were coming into this game in Seattle thinking, what we're we're feeling so narratively dissatisfied. That's that's the thing you could say about that game is mm-hmm. that it's it wasn't terrible. Possession was forty nine to fifty one. Shots were eleven and nine. Vancouver was down a goal for most of the game and came back and scored in stoppage time, which. If you end the sentence there, sounds tremendous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's just stop. The it's tape just narratively okay. very dissatisfying. Like if if Bikel had scored, if those two goals, the first Galaxy goal was on forty-seven minutes. If Bikel scores on sixty and Alvarez scores on eighty-one, it's a different discussion in terms of how frustrating that must have felt or for people at the time but but people were just feeling that you can't you can't buy a point right now for Vancouver because they had had that that four game losing streak coming into Seattle and thinking how is this possibly going to get any better and then it got marginally <laughs> better yeah no i mean i there's so many things that that we can say about the Vancouver Whitecaps. I mean, we'll say this. I I felt like they they desperately needed to try to get something out of LA, gave it up. Um and then everybody's thinking we're going to go to Seattle and just get completely blown out of the water. And we didn't, which was really really great. Um I I still feel like overall Every problem that the Whitecaps have, you will see in just about every <laughs> game. Like, they, they don't seem to be able to just get rid that's, of it that's for consistency. an entire game. That's consistency, baby. Um, that is the consistency that we've been asking for. I've been kind of critical of Bikel in the last couple of matches. I, I think he's a great player in certain moments, but it seems like every time he does something good, he immediately <laughs> undoes it with something else. Like, he'll fly in with an amazing tackle, win the ball, and then immediately have a horrendous back pass straight to the the other team so it was great to see him get a goal um 
and I certainly feel like he he'd improved over the last couple of matches. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to refresh my memory here about <laughs> the actual goals for this game because it feels like it was like weeks ago now. Okay, so Help. so we started here with with Rui Diaz <laughs> in the 40th minute, um, and that's one where you kind of look at it and think, oh, well, is are we about to are we about to return to regular, yeah. you know? Are, are we going to get Rui Diaz um, this is for the a, rest of this, this is match? one of the, just sort of, you know, uh, working it out. Uh, I have, they pass, they, they work the ball around the, de- they work the ball around the defense with passing and then into the center for Rui Diaz. Pretty, um, pretty normal Rui Diaz play. Um, they obviously have a lot of, you know, strength in, uh, in, in passing and with that team play. Now, Dahomey has this tremendous goal on the 49th minute um, coming into the uh, yeah. uh, coming at the beginning of the, of the second half, he's um, he's able to beat his runner and the keeper to a, a, a bouncing ball forward. This, uh, this, this assist has come in for him. Um, I'm still MLS. MLS has done me a disservice from Kyle. This, this assist is coming from Kyle Alessandre. Um, and uh, in sort of his is bouncing down the field. He's able to breed his, his his runner, and he's able to sort of like chip it around the keeper. Um, yeah, I think he beats Neymar yeah. on that, or uh, Yamar. Um, Yamar. Uh, and and gets the goal. He looked great doing it. It's been it's been a challenging two years, I think, in some ways for Dahomey, um, because I think that. It's not necessarily his only his fault how challenging the Whitecaps attack has felt, you know, to look at him and think of him as a real offensive threat. But he was awesome on that. The run was great. The strike was great. The little move to get around the keeper was awesome. Yeah, and I think shows not just his pace, but his strength and, and his, his clinical abilities when, when he's got that. I think he's definitely a player that seems to you know, be really swayed by the confidence of the team in any given moment. Like, if the team's playing well, then Dahomey plays well. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the other way around, but uh, really great effort from him. And then I believe it was his pass to Cavallini. That Which is great, because you can call it a goal, a goal for Cavallini uh, five minutes later, uh, the, uh, on the fifth, or a handful of minutes later on the 57th minute. But he didn't know much about it. <laughs> the... The ball comes to him. Yeah. Um, the ball comes to him, and it sort of just sort of uh, hits his hits. Does it hit his shin and go down? Does it hit his chest and go down? Does it hit his arm and go down? I feel like it's kind of, it almost hits his like neck. It's like high on his chest slash shoulder falls, and then like kind of dribbles off his leg somehow yeah. past the goalkeeper. It hit his. I mean, it goal hit goal. It all counts. It hit his leg, and it went into the goal. Was there was there a kicking motion? Did he kick it? <laughs> Look, the ball touched his leg and it went in the net. He I don't know what else may to have tell suggested. you guys. There was some concern about whether or not he there was handball on that. Um, and I also think that the, I think that if it was, um, it's also like, uh, you know, we you never know how this thing is going to go through um, from far. But it's like, I do think his arm was in a like it's in a tucked you know position, 
Yeah, there's there's not enough in it for me. I mean, it, it, if it's that high up on the arm that it's coming off the chest, I thought I did see a tree. Right. Yeah, you you can move your shoulders to control. You have to move your shoulders to control. When I first saw it, not in slow motion, I was like, oh, that looks like maybe a sneaky little hand or something there. But when you see it again, and it I looks, thought I saw somebody say that they asked him about it, and he was like, I don't know, did it did it hit your hand? I don't know, did it? I have to. I can't. I can't. I can't. God, I love. I love a striker's response. Cavallini has nothing to say to anyone <laughs> ever. Uh, however, however. Uh, however, so that's in the fifty-sixth minute. And admittedly, I don't think anybody was really thinking like the Vancouver Whitecaps are going to hold on to this one for a win. But I'm, I'm sure the thought crossed some minds. But. In the 70th minute, it's a corner kick. Vancouver's marking zonally. We've been beaten on freak um, on set pieces, especially on corners, a ton of times. Nobody's looking at the top of the box. It comes out to Jimmy Mandranda, who has all the work in the world to do and Tremendous. just cannons it in. But, but, I will just say it once more for posterity. Zonal marking on set pieces in MLS doesn't work I'll, often. I'll... Alexander. Mark your players. Have somebody at least at the top of the box. That's all. Like, make it a, a little bit of a harder yeah. target to hit. But Madranda also has all the time and space. There in the were a couple in MLS this month that were like that. That is just like uh, the ball has been cleared out, and somebody is about to absolutely unleash the dragon on this one. Yeah, we have ten. We have ten players that we can mark with. And they've got four players in the box, so we will send those ten people to crowd around those four and just ignore the other six players looming around our box. This is the tweet, by the way, from Alexander Gongwe-Rizik, who says, um, from uh, Between the Sticks Van City, who says, Lucas Cavallini says that he doesn't know if his goal hit his hand or not, but he jokes that if it did, he's honoring a great. This is in memory of Maradona then, 35 years ago. He said, "I don't okay. know how much you love. I don't know my, how much it's like. Lo, like, um, we love the you know the league will love players just openly being like, yeah, that was like the hand of God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think Cap is having some fun there. I mean, I I don't see it. I think he's he's having some fun, especially uh, at a game in Seattle, just with, ruffling the feathers a little bit. With this Madrigal, you got the the a question that I have gone for you is." Um, do you think of it as, is, do you look, obviously I think there really could have been better marking on, on him. Do you look at the fact that this game ended to, to, as a disappointment because the Whitecaps were in a leading position or do you look at it as, um, compared to what we thought might happen before the game and, and is mm-hmm. as far into the game as the 40th minute that had it that that you'll take 2-2 as a result as just being sort of mm-hmm. regular service asserting itself. Um, look, I'll take 2-2 for Vancouver right now any day. Like, I don't care who we're playing. I'll take a 2-2 draw. Um, I, it, I think it is a good road point against Seattle. And I think it will be a real confidence boost in some ways to, to knowing they can get those goals away um 
I guess it's not disappointing in the sense that, like, if Jimmy Madranda hadn't have done it, Rui, Rui Diaz probably would have. You know, like, it's it's Seattle. They they will find a way to hit you um, and, and to get something out of the game. I felt like it was a stretch to, to feel like we could really go there and snap their winning streak. Um, sh- anything short of a miracle or just a terrible performance by Seattle. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, a satisfactory result and an important point. Um. But and not to answer your question with a question, but I'm gonna do go it. right ahead. I'm ready for it. D, I'm gonna I'm gonna Cavallini you here. Um, <laughs> do you feel like the Seattle game is a tipping point or catalyst for the Whitecaps? Do you think that this game is going to send us in terms of future success or no? I think that uh, the next game is on the weekend against Dallas. Yes. Um, do we, yeah. do we miss, um, Crepo and Cavallini before then? That's the, that's one thing that's a, that's, that's, I, I kind of think that it may be a turning point, but I think that, that the immediate, immediate attention turns to just trying to get through without those players. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the. Like some of the 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 problems that the Whitecaps have had have been have involved getting Cavallini in rhythm. So, is that going to mm-hmm. go away when we just don't have him and we have Brian White instead? Maybe. Um, like it, it, that might be a, a a a fit that's good and 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 this this kind of result can tell the team, you know, you can you can hold in for one. There is part of that. Um. The the Whitecaps issues are not going to go away until they can address, address the issues. Until they address the issues, I don't necessarily think you know. Everybody always talks about the ten, and we've talked about this issue of, of how it felt that their offseason ten, I, their offseason plans were without it, had a big number ten size hole in them, and that's something that people have talked about for a long time. This this. Offense, this attacking midfielder in the the um, the mold of a Matias Lava or somebody who can who can spray passes, um, mm-hmm. that would be good. And um, FTN has uh, has talked about reports of a a the Caps pushing to sign Scottish number ten Ryan Gauld, mm-hmm. who plays um, in Portugal and and. Uh, a lot of people are really excited about it as a concept. That will be good. Having a player that can do that is good. Yep. But I really think that some of the problems in terms of I have the ball, what happens next, mm-hmm. are coaching-based in nature. And I mean, like, like, mm-hmm. like whether or not that's... I I mean, like, we, we know that we don't necessarily think of Marco Santos as a, a player that can't coach goal scoring but but this team has been so hard pushed so far in the direction of of really rebuilding the defensive aspect from the ground up mm-hmm. um and and what what will change things for the whitecaps is feeling that the team can score a goal if they need to score a goal that's one thing that might be, you know, that that might not might not uh, help with what has just happened against Seattle because 
they they were able to hold on and get this result. And that's what that last 28 minutes of the game came from. And, and, and Seattle managers and Seattle supporters losing their minds because, you know, and I mean, it was the, it's the same heat dome, the same awful, terrible situation that is going on. And I'm, I'm thinking about everybody over there, and I'm sorry that, that it's been so challenging there heat-wise um, mm-hmm. on the West Coast. Uh, that's not a that wasn't a bit when players were coming over but falling over but it's like that that aspect of it turned into well can the Caps gut out this result against the top team and it turns out yes they could but we also mm-hmm. know that they can do that like they've done that in other games you know like they, they yeah. some of the best games in, in last season were you know like the the Chicago game in MLS is back and stuff like that, where where they were able to you know push it to the limit. We know that the Whitecaps play some of their best soccer against the best teams. Yes, yes. <laughs> like we, that, if they've done a thing consistently over the last five years, it's that they can actually show up in big mo in big games and get something out of it. It just seems to be all the others that they struggle with. The question then is is, is like this is this is what has to change and. A player acquisition might do it, and a coaching—I don't—a coaching change or a change in coaching approach from the current coach might do it. Is it is that confidence of saying, if we come into this game and it's a team where we know we're going to have to score to beat them, well, you, mm. you have to score to beat anybody, but it's like, you know, can can we be confident that we're going to to be able to score in this game? If we go behind, can we be confident that we're able that we can, if we apply ourselves, um, push and and, and equalize? You know that but that you, that yeah. has been missing for me a little bit. Yeah, and I, and I agree. But the trouble with that is, is that we keep seeing uh, a Vancouver Whitecaps that goes down early, and and gives up these early goals. And so, there, it, I mean, sure, whatever motivates you, I suppose, but when we're always digging ourselves out of a hole, um, I, I think that that's really difficult to instill in the team. Like, I, I, I agree with, you know, when you're talking about, like, the last couple of games, each next half has been better than the, the half previous to it. But... I, I don't quite understand the the slow start. Like it, it it feels like the game plan for each first half is just ride it out. <laughs> there's no there's no sense of urgency, and for me, it does come down to coaching. Uh, uh, the the most frustrating thing about the Whitecaps the last two seasons has been that like especially the roster right now. Like you look at it across the table and I go, I don't think there's a player that I would say has had consistently bad performances or isn't out there giving their all. Maybe not always making the right decision, but it's not through for lack of effort. It's not for lack of trying to, to scrape something out of a game or to do something to change a game. It just hasn't really happened. And so for me, that does come a bit down to your tactics and looking at where you deploy players. I mean, I'm very happy to have a player like Baldissimo who can spray balls on a dime in every direction. But is he a deep-lying holding midfielder in MLS? Not really. I mean, I think in a few years he could get there. He's certainly bulked up, and I'm I'm loving the strength from him this season. But 
him and Bikel are still two relatively small central defenders that seem to be pretty easily beat and also prone to giving the ball away. So for me, I'd rather see Baldissimo, Baldissimo take Tybert's spot out on that left wing and that, and you have a, I don't know if left wing suits him, but like have a player that can hit some decent crosses in. Um, as an example, you know, like... I guess the point is that it feels a bit like no matter which way you shake things up, things don't seem to quite land for them. And so I guess another question I have for you is, okay, the Seattle result is a good one, but do you think that there will be a reckoning from Mark Dos Santos this season? And if so, what do you think it will be? Like, what do you think it will take for the Whitecaps office to go, this is just not working, we need to go in a different direction? Or do you think that's even on the table or in anyone's minds. Have you been watching Marvel's Loki? <laughs> no, I haven't. The the uh, the, the the in the in the with without trying to spoil too much, you know, they've they've established this this time manage this time travel management organization called the Time Variance Authority, ran by the Timekeepers, who are mysterious aliens who sit in a uh, a a a mysterious room that is challenging to get to and uh apparently put down you know there's a one of the main characters in the series played by owen wilson is just like um well are the timekeepers happy the timekeepers are happy the timekeepers are not happy this Mm. is the this is the absolute extent of what we seem to know about what the ownership feels about the situation you know right they they the actual opinions of 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 what is and isn't acceptable. And I think this is kind of a challenge in, in, in one of the things that's made it hard for people who are being engaged is to feel that there is a bottom, really. But at the same time, I mean, the, the Caps are not the worst team or the second worst team in the league at the moment, but it's like there's there is there were certainly thoughts, you know that that some of the press conferences that went on after the LA win and after the RSL win were pretty fatalistic. Wins by those teams, not yeah. wins. For sorry, sorry. So those losses were pretty fatalistic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like he didn't he didn't sound like somebody who thought he would be around for a while. <laughs> um, mm. But and so it it's so challenging. It's so challenging to be this. You know. Uh, you can ask anybody that you that you think you know knows these things well will the will the uh, you know are they going to wait is, if the white caps miss the playoffs again is or if they look like they're in danger of missing the playoffs or the ownership going to um, fire the coach so that they can maybe not miss the playoffs or the you know if there's another bad loss are they going to we miss the playoffs there's been bad losses right so what's the yeah. What's the the the, well, the 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 everything got blown up, so blowing it up again is not going to fix it. But but knowing having a sense of of where the pressure is is challenging. Mm-hmm. And you also have to have fans to have pressure. Yeah. And 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 we are doing our best the 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 cap saints that are there and and I absolutely had so much um appreciation and respect for the RSL fans that wanted to go to Rio Tinto and support the Whitecaps, yeah, and wear Whitecaps jerseys, and, and, and 
and or people who just legitimately or and or non RSL fans who did that, which I also really really appreciate. Um, you know, as somebody who lives in it, as somebody who's always away matches are all the matches that I go to. Yeah. <laughs> I really appreciated yeah. that, but it's like the lack of having games and just the the string of challenging results and challenging off, uh, you know, off the field things have have made that it's like, you know. What can it's it's hard for at a fan perspe- uh, perspective to to apply pressure because what can you say that hasn't already been said? Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I think what obviously keeps complicating it is sort of to my my question to you: Do you feel like Seattle is a tipping point? Is that this is the problem? We beat or we we did not beat Seattle. We almost beat Seattle. Uh, we we drew with Seattle. It's a good result. It's a good point. Now we're gonna go play Dallas, who's really struggled, but they are coming off a good win, um, a, a youthful side. So there's an inexperienced piece there that could help us. But this is what the last few years of the Whitecaps has been: is that things are dire, and then we get a, a decent result or a couple of decent results, and people are like, "All right, okay, there we go. It's all starting to click." And then we will fall back into a four-game losing streak. And and so, personally, I feel like Mark Dos Santos will probably see the season out as the head coach. But I, I think, unquestionably, a miss for the playoffs means he'll be gone. And similar to you, I, I can't help but obviously just go to the next step, which is, and then what? Like we So, regardless of who you bring in... It's going to be another project because the Whitecaps do that. And that person is going to either blow up the team or, or change things around. But, like, it's just very hard to see the way out of this. I think the thing um, that makes me feel a little bit better, hopefully, and, and, and I hope that, that, that if that happened that people would feel the same way, um, that even from a year ago the Whitecaps have much better players. We can, yeah, yeah. When quite frustratingly, I think we have a much better <laughs> starting eleven than we've had in a really long time, and that includes missing one of our DPS through these insane visa issues. You know, if we had Ali Adnan, I think we might be in a slightly better place. But it also feels like, you know, Christian Gutierrez is one of the few things that's been consistently good for the Whitecaps. That's so, true. as much as I think certainly that's Adnan's spot. At the same time, it doesn't feel like the left-back position is the, is our Achilles heel right now. So that's one thing, at least for the future for me, that if there is a coaching change, um, I would hope that you that, that compared to even a year into the Dos Santos reign, um, when the Whitecaps really looked still like a quite a, a, a fixer-upper situation, um, mm-hmm. that you could really look at, you could hope with, with somebody coming in that they could think, you do have the tool. You do have tools here. You know, if you're if you're coming in and, and wanting to institute it, uh, an attacking style of play, a passing style of play, there are players here that can definitely do that. Um, they just have to know what to do. Yeah, and they don't and look I, like I do they do. Mark, to Mark Dos Santos's credit, I feel like he has brought in players that are certainly more versatile. Players that are not just you know specialists in in their given position but also are able to just, you know, be redeployed elsewhere. And that has certainly helped us. I'm, I'm a big fan of that system that like, if you're, if you're paying a lot of money for a player who can only play in one position, especially in MLS, I feel like you're wasting your money unless it is Carlos Vela. 
um, or, or some somebody similar. Um, although even he can play out on the wing. So what am I talking about? Uh, you know, like uh, it, I I I just for me it feels like it's it's not just a number ten. You know, it's exciting to think about bringing in a player like Gauld, but I don't necessarily think that's going to change their their story overnight. And I I think for me it's still a bit of a lacking the MLS experience. You know, you, a player like Alashandre's talent, just raw talent, is incredible to have on the team. And certainly, we we always knew there would be an adjustment period. But I gotta say, he's been pretty anonymous in most games. He's, he certainly had been had some key moments. But for me, is he not? the closest thing we have to a number 10 i would <laughs> like, disagree I, know... I would i would disagree that he's been anonymous because okay. i think that's, he, that, that's harsh yeah because he's been anonymous in terms of like obviously he hasn't scored as any goals but he's had assists and and so his position um you know going back to my initial uh scouting reports for my pal who's a botafogo fan is that he's a um that he's a number eight right that, that sits above the like he he sits above the defenders, and and it's him. His role is less to you know sort of penetrate and come up as it is to to get the attack started, more or less, yeah. right? Like to to be in your. Um, and I enjoyed. Um, I mentioned the uh, between the sticks earlier. They had a piece a couple of weeks ago that I appreciated about Al, Al, Kyle Alessandre theory, where they talked about how he. Is always every time he's he gets the ball, he's always turning to try and figure out how to move upfield with it. And mm. I think that that has been that that has been really positive. And I'm trying to find where his stats are in terms of his uh, in terms of so he's got eight shots. What does he have for what does he have for assists? An eighty-six point seven percent success rate for passes. Yeah. And I guess that is true, you know, like he, he's doing the job that he was brought in to do, which is a necessarily quite thankless one, um, to win the ball and start the attack. So that's that's fair. I mean, I think that's maybe where my anonymous is coming from, is you're not hearing his name a lot, but that doesn't mean he's not being influential on the games. He had the um, assist. He was the one He was the one who, uh, that that was his only assist so far in his, uh, in his how, many, how many appearances are we looking at here? Um, in his nine appearances, that was his first assist. But it was, but he was the one who sprung Dahomey. Right, 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 right. Okay, yeah, yeah. And All so right. I just That's wanted, fair. I wanted to speak up in in defense of it because I actually have been like, like getting players like him and Deber. That was the best Vancouver Whitecaps defense I've seen all season. In in Seattle. No, you defending. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully there's going to be. Hopefully it's going to be even easier. There's going to be even more to deal out. <laughs> But it's like there again. I don't want to belabor the point, but like there again, another frustration is like you've got Godoy and Rose as your two center backs who've been pretty good, and yet we're still giving up two goals a game. Like it just, it, it just sucks. You're right about that. That that Dallas has had a little bit of struggles, and that that there's no there's no easy teams in MLS because. Um, every time we beat somebody, their fans say, "Oh, we should we shouldn't be losing to. <laughs> we shouldn't be. We, we just should... lost to the Whitecaps. We should smarten up." 
We shouldn't only be beating the Whitecaps one nothing. I remember seeing a Colorado fan say that after the, the game in Colorado and just covered my eyes Ouch, like March hey, Simpson. Hey. Like... <laughs> I mean, fair. Rude. Fair from a, a yeah, team in their yeah, position. Just... But, uh, but stop. <laughs> we are that team for other teams. So there's no way that we should be looking at it and saying, oh, well, it'll be an easier game against Dallas. But, but it'll be a, an opportunity to... If we if we think that this this Seattle game has has met progress to demonstrate some progress for sure, but I, I really do feel like you know in the next few games if we can't get a win, there's got to be a, a ton of pressure on Mark Dos Santos. I mean it'd be a, a a fool's errand trying to replace him mid season I think, but um uh, the thing I was wondering about is because obviously if they fire Mark. Probably his brother Phil isn't going to be filling in for him, so it's likely going to be a Ricardo Clark experience. I kind of put that out on Twitter as a bit of just like a lol. Wouldn't that be so MLS? I've lost you, but now I'm really wondering if that's a possibility. If if there's not some serious wins soon, Uh, I uh, can you briefly repeat what you said? You cut out from probably his brother. Oh, sorry. I had something happen weird, weird on my end, and it sounded weird, too. I think that, obviously, Phil would not be taking over for Mark if Mark gets sacked. No. I think the brothers would probably leave together. And so I kind of put it out on Twitter as a bit of, like, a joke of, like, haha, wouldn't that be so MLS if Ricardo Clark ended up as our interim coach, you know, at the end of the summer? But I'm starting to feel like the the pressure is on. With the result against Seattle, there's some some promise. But if we're not winning some games in the next two, three games, uh, we're not going to make the playoffs uh, because it, it just, the pressure keeps mounting. No. I mean, eight, eight points, like we, we've got a massive mountain to climb and we're not the kind of team that's going to go on a five game winning streak. So we need to be getting wins here and there. I know it's a profoundly obvious statement, but it's, it's the performance for me against Seattle will, will be very telling that 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 for me is a must-win game. Um, it, a point I think is still going to be disappointing against a, a Dallas side that we know can be beaten. I think I agree. I definitely agree with that. It'll be interesting to see how things uh, turn out for that next week for us and uh, and for everybody. Until then, where can we find you online? You can find me online at That's So MLS on Twitter and Instagram. You can find, oh, and on Facebook, also That's So MLS. And then you can find this podcast on the Apple Podcasts store. Is that what it's called? Wow, haven't done this in a while. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. You can also find us on That's So com. Yeah. Where can we find you? You can find me online on, on Twitter at team hyphen baitstock. Well, <laughs> You can find me uh, on Twitter. I, at I would Team like to Bates. request a substitution. Something. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Um, and I'm online definitely uh, yelling about all kinds of football tournaments right now, including Camp Yell has uh, started back up with its kickoff. Be able to chat it's a true. More all the in, soccer, in all the time episodes. is happening. Um, until next week, don't get sent off.